Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello guys and welcome to the Stardom Cast, your monthly audio source for all things World Wonder Ring Stardom right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Rob Gordon, and I'm joined as ever by Chris O'Brien. Chris, how are you? I'm good. Um, I finally have some job interviews lined up, which is something. And um, I just watched a pretty good Formula One race in Magello. Um, Lewis Hamilton still run, but everything behind him was carnage. It was amazing. Um, and then we have so many wrestling tournaments. So pl- it was going to be near, around the middle of this month. We would um, we'd have a wee break from Stardom, as awful as that sounds. But it was going to be a lot of Stardom, a wee break. I can watch the G One. I can watch the N One Victory because you know Noah totally isn't copying New Japan. And um, I could watch a bit of a Champions Carnival. Maybe I'm not going to say a certain name because apparently there's a fucking alarm for it now. What's that? Um, Sorry. What's that? I'm not... Jake Lee. Uh, Say no. his name, Chris. Say his name, Chris. <laughs> I can't believe you're co-opting such an important um, tagline Go on. for your own memeing ways. I'm not Say saying it. his name. Say his name. I'm not saying it. I'm Say not his saying name. Suji <laughs> <laughs> Ishikawa. No. We all know that you are massively in love with Kento Mihara. Just say his name, Chris. Just say he it. isn't in love with that beautiful man. Which beautiful man? Oh, my God. <sighs> Can't tell me how. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> You're such a cunt. <laughs> Sorry, do carry on. I'm ha- I've had my fun now. Okay, so, but like now, instead of having the five star sort of end writers, fees, for, we're getting into the like bulk of the G1 of the Champions Carnival and the end one. Um, we're going to have <laughs> them side by side, which is a lot, especially if you like me and like. I closely follow New Japan and Stardom, and then like I remotely follow All Japan and Noah, and it's a lot. Like I just completely given up on like anything else. But also, do I really want to watch? The Ch- it's, it's, I'm I'm struggling whether or not I'm going to watch the Champions Carnival now or I'm going to put it off because that like that's by far the least interesting of the tournaments, as awful as that sounds. But yeah, it's just the least interesting, especially since like I have to do this for a podcast that i don't get paid for so (laughs) okay fair enough i mean i mean i can start putting together a pay package for you but then again you are going for job interviews now i mean it's good it will probably mess with my job seekers if you did so i imagine so yeah and plus putting on a job into like a job form what is your previous employment a joshi podcast 
(laughs) (laughs) Having to explain to those people what Joshi means. And listen, guys, you don't understand. Utami is amazing. No, Jungle might be leaving Tokyo Cyber Squad. I don't think you understand that Tokyo Cyber Squad is falling apart. What do you mean next? Um... Don't don't bring that up, Robert. I'm I'm very emotional about that. Well, we'll get into that in a moment. Um, yeah, as you said, it is a well at the moment this five star at the rate it's going will still be going in 2021. So um, I made that joke. I'm the one who made that joke. Stop stealing jokes. I'm making the group chat. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't say that. I did. I think I think I've edited it just enough. I've done the university thing where I've edited it just enough to avoid any sort of plagiarism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, obviously the five star is currently continuing. Thank goodness. Um, the two shows from the fifth and the sixth, day three and day four, are what we're going to be looking at today. I completely understand that there are two shows from Fukuoka from the 12th, and there was a show today as we record on the 13th, but as Stardom is Stardom, uh, they haven't uploaded all the matches yet. Um, As we record, they've only uploaded three of the matches uh, from the Fukuoka Day show. So once they're all up, which I'm hoping, fingers crossed, will be for next week. They have put out a tweet to say they will all be up by Friday. Um, Hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be able to review those next week. So it's just the 5th and the 6th today that we're going to be looking at. But there was lots and lots and lots to come out of these two days, so don't worry. Um, Before we start that, though, Chris, I just want to go through a few news items um, because it's been a long time since we've spoken about the wild world of stardom. Um, So the first thing is that, obviously, the two dates at Yokohama Budokan uh, on August the 22nd and August the 23rd were cancelled. They will now be combined uh, on October the 3rd, again, at Yokohama Budokan, just one night. And at the moment, the three matches that are announced are Mayu versus Suri, uh, for the World of Stardom Championship, which, of course, was already on one of the nights, as was the Wonder of Stardom Championship between Julia and Tam. And then the High Speed Championship will be contested between the champion Azumi and Starlight Kid. Um, something I did want to run by you, Chris, and I forgot to mention, actually, obviously, with the G1 announcements that Osprey, Kenta, Switchblade, um, Juice are all back in Japan and are able to compete in the G1, I imagine sooner rather than later it does mean we're going to see B Priestley back in stardom. And Jamie Hayter. And Jamie Hayter, yeah, of course. Which, thank God, because I have got some things to say <laughs> yeah. about Aweeda Tai in this podcast. Fucking hell. Um, oh, yeah. Like, it, it speaks volumes to how thin Aweeda Tai is right now, but they just gave Saki Kashima a random singles match against Momo. Well, there is... There is <laughs> a reason for that and we'll get into that when we get on to the actual night um but yeah those three matches seem sound um i'm very 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 excited for mayu versus shuri julia and tam is one of the hottest feuds in stardom at the moment and azumi for me can't put a foot wrong at the moment as starlight is probably one of my most improved wrestlers of 2019 2020 so all three of those matches have banger potential yeah um it, it's striking me a lot like a just an uh just a Korokan show but 
to be fair, Simon Corrick and Cho's are fairly untouchable. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, something else I just wanted to run by you, Chris, because obviously, again, it's been a long time since I've spoken to you about Stardom and uh, the wider world of Joshi. I just wanted to have a word with you about this um, assemble sort of thing mm-hmm. that they've got going on. So just reading um, the release, Akira Kahuta... Uh, let's try that again, shall we? It's been a long week. Uh, Akira Hokuto announced the establishment of the Joshi Pro Resu Association Assemble. Uh, it's going to launch the first show on October 1st. In the show, Pure J, Oz Academy, Sendai Girls, Marvelous, Seedling and Freelancers each will have a match. The orderable matches will be determined by lottery immediately after the start of the show. Uh, Ice Ribbon, Wave and Stardom are not part of the first show uh, due to conflicts behind the scenes, but they are expected to join up with Assemble at some point in the next 6 to 12 months. Um, At the moment, Tokyo, Joshi, Pro Wrestling, GTMV or Act Res Girl Z are not involved and are not expected to be. The whole idea of it is sort of an equivalent of the altogether shows that the male promotions did almost 10 years ago. Um, are you excited for this, Chris? And will you be checking out that show on the 1st of October? Um, I'm somewhat excited, yeah. I'm always kind of want to get into like the wider Joshi world, but like several things sort of turn me off, one of which is like the time investment. Like There's already too much wrestling, but I'm already interested in to check it out. My other one is like every time I ask about it, it's like, yeah, it's like Sardom, just not as good. And I have no interest in that. Um, I'm not surprised TJPW is not taking that because they're part of that DDT thing and they're looking to run the Tokyo Dome within the near future, aren't they? So, like, mm-hmm. I'm not surprised they wouldn't want to be landing out one of their brands. Um, yeah, like, it can't be anything but not good. I, if it's like five matches, the shows can't be overly long. So, like, I might check it out at some point. Um, but like I'm not overly familiar with any of these. I've heard good things from each promotion. I mostly know about Sunday Girls from their progress stuff because Medusa Complex is in progress. But yeah, it should be good. I don't. I I'm not at all informed on other Joshi promotions, so I couldn't tell you anything about that. I'm afraid. So from what I read about it, it's going to be. Stardom will have a match, so it'll be two Stardom wrestlers. Uh, Seedling will have a match, it'll be two Seedling wrestlers. They won't be competing against each other. I assume they'll just be exhibition matches for their respective promotions. Well, like, if you have them competing against each other at that point, then just the most powerful promotion goes against it. And when at, the point, at that point, you're essentially going to ask for one of the promotions to die. It's what happens every time New Japan partners <laughs> up with someone. Like, partnering up with... Um, UWF and UWFI, they died. Piling up with Noah, they almost died. Piling up with Ring of Honor, need I say more? Um, <laughs> TNA. Um, Poor Ring of Honor. <laughs> but yeah, so like, I'm, it's probably the best way to do it. These sort of supercards are always going to have some sort of a lot. And you know what? A lot of Stardom fans are like, um, they're going to check out anything involving any of the Stardom wrestlers. So they're going to tune in just to have a look. It could be a good. Um, platform to possibly have Mayu versus Ihara again, which I'm <laughs> always here for. You're a big um, advocate I... of that match, aren't you? Big advocate. Yeah, um, like almost enough to check out Marvel. That's not quite enough, but almost enough. I've seen good things about Seedling 
on uh, Twitter, and I've seen good things about yeah, Wave on Twitter. So you I, know, I've heard good things about with Seedling. Um, that's where oh, what what's it, what's her name? Arita Nakajima's been having her run, which is meant to be really good, especially that match with Asuka from DDT. But I couldn't tell you much more about that. But it's meant to be really good. I just haven't checked it out yet. I might check it out. Um, I think once. Ice Ribbon, Stardom, and people like that are a part of this. It could be something amazing, and it could be it could be something that runs, you know, a Tokyo Dome potentially. You know, if enough people are invested, and you know, if the companies all play ball and are all willing to, you know, put something into it. You know, even if we do have interpromotional matches, I mean, like you say, Mayu versus Ahura was one of the best matches of the year in Stardom. So, it's my favourite style of match of the year. Yeah. Um, I think with running Tokyo Down, that might be a bit ambitious, maybe with social distancing, possibly, but I think Sumo Hall should be like the highest they should aim right now and then assess where the album be run somewhere up there. Let me just clarify when I say Tokyo Dome, some... I mean eventually. I don't mean in the near future. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, because yeah, we have to remember in terms of numbers. Um, um, running Corican Hall somewhere big for like Tokyo Joshi, which I think is the second biggest one just for Red DDT affiliation. And like Stardom has only started doing really well at Corican recently. So fair enough. Fair enough. Shall we get into some Stardom then, Chris? We've got two full nights to oh. talk about. Um, yes, please. Um, we're skipping the tag matches, I assume. I hope so, because otherwise I haven't done my job. <laughs> Let's start then with the 5th of the 9th. Uh, so day three from Chinkiba First Ring in front of 140 fans. Yep, just the results of those opening tag matches um, and opening singles matches, non-tournament matches. Uh, the first match saw Micah defeat Saki Kashima and Rina at 3 minutes and 47 seconds with the Sazanka. Uh, really good to see Saki back in the ring again, thank goodness. Um, and then match two was Yutami Haishishita and Hina defeating Sayida and Hanan at 6 minutes and 7 seconds with an air raid crash. Again, really good to see Hanan's return from injury. It's a good thing to see in those these troubled times. First tournament match then was from Red Star Block, and it saw Tam Nakano defeat Death Yamasan at 4 minutes and 12 seconds with the Tiger Suplex. Chris, talk to me. Um, for some, like for a four-minute match, this managed to somehow be a match of two halves. Like the first half was just it dragged. I keep getting told that Def Yamasan is really good outside of the Def Yamasan gimmick, but unfortunately, the Def Yamasan gimmick itself in a tournament setting is getting tired already, and it's only the third match, and both matches were like a month apart. But like at the end, it started getting cute, like getting out of the Tiger Suplex with the pose, and then like quick roll-ups. That was quite cool. But like beyond that, yeah, it's just a Def Yamasan match, really. Like, you yeah. can do much with it. I thought Tam did very well with Death's bullshit. Like you say, the Death Yamasan gimmick is quite limiting for an in-ring performer. Um, but I thought Tam did really well to sort of accent that bullshit, like, you know, Death going around doing the Death sign, and you just saw Tam pop into shot doing the Death sign as well. Um you always have that feeling that death 
will be the upset, will will ruin someone's tournament. And with those flash pins that you were talking about before, it was genuinely believable, and that's where some of the other matches it hurt. Um, like, for example, Saya Ida later on, um, on the next night, it was never really believable that she was going to upset someone, whereas Death Yamasan, for whatever reason, you just believe that she is going to upset someone with those roll-ups, so... You know, eventually Tam does win, but towards the end, it was turning dangerously close into an all right match. I mean, I gave it four. There was nothing inherently bad about this match. There was nothing offensive about this match. There was a back body drop, which looked a bit snug. Um, but aside from that, it was fine. Worryingly, it's probably Death Yamasan's best match of the tournament so far. I mean, admittedly, it is only a second match of the tournament, <laughs> I believe. Um, but it, it was fine. Um, Tam Nakano is just great. I love Tam from everything from the little nuances to just her looking just with complete confusion at death. Yamasan, I thought she was great in this match. Um, yeah, Tam was great. That's really the best you can hope for. If you're keeping averages like I am, um, in red blocks, in red blocks, your placement is probably going to be based on what you can do with the death Yamasan gimmick and the four minutes that normally afford you. Um, yeah, just yeah, but it's not a ton to say, really. Is <laughs> no, it like I say, I gave it four stars because there was nothing bad about it, and it certainly wasn't as bad as that Death Yamasan versus Saki match. Um, yeah, four out of ten. Well, I will say this story of the flash pins was done a lot better in the preceding two matches. Yes, well, let's move on. Uh, match four again, Red Star Block saw the perhaps the leader, uh, sorry, the surprise leader, should I say of Red Block defeating Starlight Kid. Uh, so, sorry, let's try that again. Himika, the surprise leader. <laughs> it, honestly, guys, it's been such a long week. It took me two attempts to get the start of this fucking podcast going. It's just, it's just been a nightmare. It really has. I'll try that again. So, <laughs> Himika, the surprise leader of Red Block, defeated Starlight Kid at 8 minutes and 32 seconds with the torture rack. Um... It was your standard big person, little person matchup, Chris. Yeah. Um, Starlight played it really smart, not trying to pick up Himika till she was weekend. Um, a lot of momentum work, um, which Himika would either break up with either a knee, which, like, it's a pretty good big person knee, I'm not going to lie, like, just sticking up, hoofing it right into Starlight's face, or a lariat. And Starlight would be hitting a big moves, trying to bomb Himika, but that's never going to work. Um, Himika's Boston Crab and Torture Rack has never looked so devastating, be- just because of what Starlight Kid's what four foot eleven, like she's tiny, so like everything looks like it hurts more. So like she can bend Starlight further back, which, uh, <laughs> my God, I thought Starlight was gonna. A fucking snap of spinal cord or something disgusting stuff but like the match itself was basic apart from the starlight stuff but is sort of this basic match done to a fairly high level so i have no real complaints about it the quick roll-ups were made it infinitely watchable and then like himika cutting off starlight and never felt out of place it didn't feel like she wasn't selling she would just cut her off because i'm big person rah <laughs> Stardom have done a fantastic job thus far of building Himika. Like, she feels like a genuine threat, and she does feel like someone who can go the distance in the five-star. I don't think she will, but 
Pardon me, I think she looks like that sort of person at the moment. Um, she's well, the thing. biggest thing coming out of Donna Del Mondo at the moment. Like, yeah. I see her as a bigger star at the moment than Julia. Though, I will say I was a big fan of her matching against Saya later on in the night. But I just feel there's something about him because she's so imposing and she has this aura. And I know you're not a massive fan of the facial expressions. You think she does them too much. But I thought here... And especially in the next night, I thought the cocky arrogance in her face as she was bending Starlight Kid. And you hit the nail on the head there by saying that they've never looked so devastated. She was literally sitting on Starlight's shoulders, stopping her using her arm to get to the ropes. And it just felt so organic. It was great. And Starlight literally... There was points where you did fear for Starlight's spine, like you say. Um... Her strikes felt really, really, really impactful. That knee strike that basically led to the finish was brilliant. And I thought Starlight sold wonderfully. Starlight improves with every single fucking match I see her in. You know, her bumping, her aggression. You know, she doesn't try and... Again, like, people will try and lift Himika, and obviously it looks, you know, it's daft. Why would you try it? She's the jumbo princess. She's bigger than anyone. That's her gimmick. So, you know... Starlight wore her down. It was a it was a good match. It was a good big person little person match. I was a little bit more skeptical as to whether Starlight Kid was going to beat Himika. Um, I never really felt it. The flash pins were done very smoothly. They were excellent, but I always felt like Himika was going to win. Um, I think I think with the flash pins, um, Saki Kashima beating Julia's streak with a flash pin sort of convinced me that anyone can get caught with a slash pin. And also, I've watched enough Toriano G1 matches to know that anyone <laughs> can fall to a flash pin. The master of the flash pin. I still haven't forgiven him for G127. Fucking hell. <laughs> G127. He was top of the block in G129, having beaten Naito and Switchblade in the first two fucking matches. It was ridiculous. Uh, I love that. that that's the <laughs> shit I love. <laughs> Uh, let's move on then. So we move on oh, to. We haven't. We, we didn't rate it. We didn't. Rate it. Oh, I apologise. No, we didn't. What did you give that, Chris? Um, seven. Loved it. Wow. Well, I say loved it. I really liked it. Okay, I gave it six, but I'm I'm willing to go seven. Yeah, sure. You're in a very positive was mood. It, um, what was? Why will say Starlight? You said Starlight improves with every match, and yeah, but also like in terms of like pure ratings, I'm looking through my ratings now, and um, Himika has properly improved every match it was like um six against tam six against um julia and then seven against um starlight so doing great and starlight can't carry it so no and that's the thing like she had a good match against tam but it was a relatively short match from what i remember Um, and it was simple she beat julia again relatively short and for me even though it was an alright match I thought there was a couple of moments where she was found out a little bit um, didn't have that feeling here I think here. working with Julia doesn't help because Julia is normally the powerhouse so Julia having to work from underneath just isn't something she's used to no no I understand that I, I get that and she you know she didn't have to do that here either so alright okay yeah I'm with you on that um, match 5 then Blue Stars. Jungle Jungle finally won. Jungle Kiona defeated Azumi at 9 minutes and 41 seconds with the diving body splash. Um, 
yeah, Jungle finally wins a match, Chris. I'm so happy. <laughs> it, uh, this match was great, though. This match was... Um, I think Azumi getting punched out the air or kicked out the air is becoming my new favourite subgenre of wrestling. Because <laughs> she does it so well. Oh, uh, yeah. You say well. Here it seemed a lot smoother. I feel like Momo literally did kick her into <laughs> unconsciousness. I feel like she was unconscious for a small a small time. Um, yeah, but here it was again. It was sort of the same story as for Hemika and Tam match of the smaller um, underdog trying to overcome the um, bigger name within Sardom. Um, Azumi doing that really well, um, like just coming out like a fucking bullet. Like I was like, sh- I keep forgetting that Azumi's basically Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> so like jumping all over the place. Um, yeah, just also Azumi did something in this match which is like food for my wrestling soul, which um, Jungle Kiona, as sort of shown in her Mayo match as well, leaves her arms exposed quite often, which for a girl whose um, moveset says all lariats and all power bombs is very dangerous, because every time it happened, Azumi would catch her in an amber. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Azu- the way Azumi is getting people into these arm bars, like the one against Momo was spectacular, there was one against Utami on the following night, they're just they're so unique and it were and they feel organic they don't feel contrived and you're absolutely right you know she did expose that area of jungle's offense which i thought was great yeah that's some jay white shit right there and um, my favorite one was catching her off the splash amazing it's just great um yeah but then jungle was like okay i'm just gonna start bombing you into the ground now so Azumi jumps off, gets knocked out of the air, and then gets spun. Um, big splash for the win. It was short, but it's really well executed. It's essentially a case of Azumi know at this point she knows how to beat these opponents, but she's not quite at the point where she can. You see, you do see a lot in MMA where someone has sort of unlocked what it would take to beat this person, but they're not quite trained enough, not quite talented enough yet to beat this um, this opponent. So like. It's putting Azumi over strong despite the fact she only has two points, which I love. I love shit like that where you can get someone over without winning. AEW does it a lot because otherwise Cody would have to take a pin and <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, great stuff. I gave it an eight. I love this match. <laughs> I gave it an eight too. Um, it was like you say a simple story: power versus speed, ring experience versus youthful exuberance. It felt here like Jungle was simply waiting Azumi out because mm-hmm. she felt like Azumi was going to make that one mistake. Once she hadn't put Jungle away with that initial burst of energy, Azumi was looking for something then, looking for a way to utilize the armbar. You're looking for ways to get into positions where she can win. You know, the flash pins weren't working, and Jungle was getting out of the, or powering out of the arm breakers. She tried one thing too many, got knocked out of the air, and that was Jungle's you know, opening to then finish the match off. And it was simple. It was really, really good. Azumi has been absolutely phenomenal throughout this tournament. Every match she's had has been one of the matches of the night. Mm. Jesus. She just gets it. And it's... I'm, I hate that she's so... Fu- I don't like young, talented people, Rob. I just hate them. I like old, talented people because they're jaded enough to know to not 
show off how talented we are, but young talented people just wear it on their sleeves and I hate it. I did enjoy once Jungle was having her arm raised, the sheer relief on her face because in the previous podcast episode we've we spoke about Jungle's desperation to win a match and how, you know, mm-hmm. she lost her two opening matches, she was in complete disarray, she was heading into this match with a weed tie with the future of Tokyo Cyber Squad, um, you know, depending on the result. And you felt like it was all becoming a little bit too much for Jungle. And just that moment of having her arm raised and just the sheer relief evident in her face, it, it was a little story beat, you know, might have been nothing, but it added to that story, just that, Oh, thank but, Christ. It was in this um, match, too, though, like when she was spinning um, Azumi around in the sleeper swing. You could see the look on her face going, fuck, I need to end this, I need to end this. Oh, yeah, there was no like, frills. You know, like, there was no age, frills at all. You know, like in uh, Age of Ultron, um, when Hulk's facing up off against Iron Man, the Hulk buses, hey, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on! <laughs> Quick, up to the top rope. Uh, yeah, I felt, I felt like that was the case as well. Yeah, absolutely. I gave it eight as well. Um, like I said, Azumi is just phenomenal, and at the moment, from an in-ring standpoint, she can't put a foot wrong. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Match six, and I feel we're going to differ on this match, so it'll be interesting to hear what you thought about this. Um, Red Star with Julia defeating Sayakamatani at 11 minutes and 25 seconds with the glorious driver. Um, do you want to go first, Chris? I'll let you go first. Yeah, I enjoyed this match. Um, there's some cool spots, cool spot, especially the um, shooting star into a triangle. Oh, that, I that was great. absolutely beautiful. Seamless as well. Like It's so easy to get shit like that wrong. And it it felt mm-hmm. amazing. It it just looked Ju- amazing. Julia was laying little chaps like that throughout the whole match, and that was enjoyable. Um, but for the most part, it was Julia against a rookie, so like there's only so high that can go. So I I think I would like this match more if that triangle was to finish. That would have been a great way to end it. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought here. Or like even. Sorry. No, please carry on. Um, like, I think from that position you could have like dragged her down into like a ground self viper. Like it would be a wee bit of a different transition, and that would have been like a great, great finish. And this match would rate a lot higher for me. But like, for me, like that's the only thing I really felt like taking notes for about from was a particularly um, exuberant, let's say, um, glorious driver. Like she put yeah. some fucking stank on that one. Well, that sort of added into what I felt about this match. Like, whereas Himika to start off with against Starlight Kid, really dismissive of her. Like, she's a small person. I am going to beat her. Um, and, you know, where we all knew Himika was going to win, but there was, there was a moment where Starlight, you know, the flash pin, something like that. Julia... You know the clapping when Saya finally showed a little bit of a little bit of resilience and things like that. Just you know, basically just being this absolute twat. It was brilliant, and it was there was a feeling that Julia never had this match out of control. She knew what she was doing, and she was. You said like a viper, absolutely. She ended this match where she saw fit, 
like you felt like she could end this whenever and that was why it was like right i'm done now glorious driver done and that's what it should be that's julie seems to be growing into this character of i'm better than you deal with it put trying to push her as a baby face was just stupid and trying to push her as a tweener is stupid just make her this Mm -hmm. arrogant cocky heel who basically no one's on my level i mean for god's sake we saw it in the main event of night one have that exact same feeling about mayu who is the red belt champion she doesn't see saya kamatani's a fucking challenge she literally just watched saya tire herself out trying different things then thought you know what fuck this i'm done glorious driver that's what it should be don't try and make her more than that I think from a booking perspective, both nights fulfilled me quite well. And you're right, this character for Julia does work quite well. I don't think that makes this a great match necessarily, because at the end of the day, she's facing a rookie. And Sire, as good as the match she had in that second um, in night four, it's still green. And you can see it throughout a lot of her matches, especially that fucking tag match from the other month, where she just didn't refuse to sell on them. But yeah, here it was fine. Um, Julia as a heel works grand. I think that's sort of what turned me off of Julia a lot because I was willing to give her a chance, like because I really liked the Hannah match. But then when it's she started pushing her as a face in the five star, that's sort of what broke it. Do you mean the Cinderella? Me. Cinderella, yeah. Sorry. Um, when they were trying to push her as a face there and gave her such the obvious face path, and I was like, ah, this is Roman Reigns shit. Like. This, I'm fine with it. It is literally a Roman Reigns situation because now that she's like this stoic badass, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of on board. But Julia's been doing grand. She's, I still think she needs someone special, and I still think her track record reflects that. Like when she was against Himika on night um, two, bad match fell off a bit flat for me, whereas um, her match with Mayu didn't, her match with Tam didn't, etc. So um, even her match with Konami on night two. Um, night four rather here didn't fall flat so I, I do still think Julia needs to be in there with someone special I agree with you to have that blow away match she does need someone who can work with her because she she is good in ring um, but she does need someone I do completely agree however I still gave this seven because of the character work I didn't focus I gave it a six I didn't focus too much on Sire in this match which is completely different to how I looked at night four um, but I just looked at how Julia was. You could you could see a story developing. I mean, effectively, mm-hmm. what Sai Kamatani made a in ring debut what August two thousand nineteen. So she is she is still green, yeah. but the fact that she is still having matches, they aren't you know they aren't dying a death. You know she is holding her own. Yeah, she does need to sell more, and that is why I praise her the fuck up in this next match that she's got coming up. Um. I still really enjoyed this. I enjoyed Dickhead Julia. I think that's where we should be with it. Um, so, yeah. Um, oh, for fuck's sake. Match seven. <laughs> right. I'm going to... I'll talk first on this one because I think I like this more than you did. So, it's um, Natsuko Toro versus Momo. And I like this because the weather type bullshit finally paid off. Um, Saki managed to entice the referee or something. Oh, something I forgot to mention actually t- regarding the referee um, in the Starlight Kid Himika match. Um, the ref checking Starlight's kit, Starlight Kid's um, mask <laughs> for yes. a weapon. I'm like, what's she going to hide in there? Like, like halfway through the match, he's going to pull out a fucking dagger. <laughs> and 
I kind of want that to happen now, actually. <laughs> just just to like, get out brass knucks from the eye hole. Yeah, like, when she faces... Um, she should have done that when she faced um, Time of the Next Night. It's like, he used to do death matches, did you? How about this? <laughs> um, but no, this match was... Like, this is fine. It was like Toro versus Momo for... Mo- um, Toro managing to ambush Momo and, like, lead her around. That was all grand. That was all standard away. It's like, bullshit. And then Saki uh, managed to distract the ref for what felt like 10 years. And <laughs> we managed to get what I loved. Right, so um, Natsuko Tora hung Momo Watanabe. Call back to Kagetsu, I guess. Um, but then throws Momo back in, gets a pin. And the graphic says, um, pinfall via <laughs> hanging by the ropes. And I'm like, surely at the point where you put it in the graphics, you can overturn this decision. <laughs> From a kayfabe perspective. <laughs> the referee is saying victory via chain hanging. Yeah, How is like, that not a DQ? That's the official ruling. <laughs> so like, at that point, <laughs> just to score. I never thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just fuck are we the time, man. Oh, mate. Just, this is... Right, this went nine minutes and nine seconds, and this is my issue with it. Everything Tora does is just paint by numbers. Everything she does is the same thing. You can literally predict oh, she's going to attack before the bell. She's going to hit the chain clothesline. She's going to try and hang someone. I'm sorry, that's supposed to be an impactful spot. I've seen it three fucking times in four matches, and this was shit as well. She did this it chain the, she hanging did it was in... fucking wank. There's... She did it in her only match, um, singles match before this against Konami as exactly. well. Exactly. Before the five star. That should so be an to... impactful spot. Whenever Kagetsu did it with Mayu, it was impactful. It was done off a fucking balcony. Seeing it every single week is just every single match she does just completely takes away from that and just the chair bullshit. I'm just not into it. And then Saki, at what point do you get ejected? Because, like, not. She wasn't just enticing, she got him in a fucking headlock she literally he she he got she got him in the corner by his head whilst this was all happening whilst tora tried to throw momo over the top with this chain that wasn't working because momo was trying desperately to try and make it look like she was being hung just absolute fucking I think, bollocks i think momo's a bit short to do this spot yeah that's the problem with this just like, it's the same thing, Chris. It happens every single match, and there's no heat from it. There's no reaction to it. It just doesn't seem to lead anywhere. And it's just, it's nonsense. Like, at least with Suzuki Goon, which happens every time with Suzuki Goon as well. But you have this idea that they're badasses. And, you know, it's because, I suppose, Suzuki doesn't just do the same thing over and over again. He does certain things over and over again, but he doesn't have the same fucking wrestling match over and over again. But also, like, Suzuki does take time off. I mean, like, you look about uh, about 2017 Ravagey, one way didn't really do anything spectacular. Like, so Suzuki does sort of check out now and again. But with Tora, like, the only time I felt any sort of urgency from Tora was in the Utami match which I legitimately enjoy the Itami match, but otherwise it's been like, they're not even bad matches per se, but just average, but bang average. They're boring. 
You have got someone being hung yeah, with a chain. Like, like, legitimately, we're watching someone being garroted by a chain, and I'm bored. That that shouldn't be the thing. <laughs> is it? Like, I, is this? Go on. Is this what deathmatch fans feel like? <laughs> <laughs> is this what deathmatch fans feel like? <laughs> I'm just completely. I'm just. I don't care. That's the thing. I just. I don't care. I don't want to see Oida Tai on my screen. They're bored, they're tired, their entire shtick is the same thing. Week in, week out. And this match, you could literally cut and paste this match to the one she has with Micah the following night. It's the same match. Chain hanging, which Micah <laughs> manages to get out of, thank God. But then it's the same bullshit. I bet you any money the next <laughs> match is going to end with Tora some manner of chain bollocks and it's just like for fuck's sake you are you know a good funny? wrestler despite <sighs> okay so here's, here's the thing i i heard um toro versus micah and i'm like i don't remember watching toro versus micah so i have a look at um my notes and it did happen <laughs> <laughs> But literally, I I what what is it? Half nine. I watched this around. I watched um, night two around four or five o'clock. So in the four or five hours, just since I forgot the match happened. It's the same match. It's the same fucking match. Like Micah gets attacked by Tora before the bell. Micah gets hung by Tora. Micah gets taken out with the chain clothesline by Tora. Saki distracts the ref. Oh my god, it's cut and paste and it's fucking dull. I, I just, I don't care. I don't care about either tie. This was bollocks. It really pissed me off that it was actually quite a decent match before then. And that's the thing. Tora is good in ring. Like, everything before this was fine and then it just descended into the same cut, dry, boring stuff. It's like, oh, yeah. And it's the same with the Micah match later on. Like, Micah does really, really well with Tori in the ring and then it just descends into bollocks. Like, how was hitting Utami with a chair a DQ on night two, but literally trying to garrot someone is perfectly fine? And I'm sorry, the referee should know. Like, I know I should suspend my disbelief, for God's sake, but if you've got someone who has got you in a headlock for, again, like Chris said, about 15 years. You've got to know that something is going on. For God's sake, she's coming down to the ring with a chain. She's wearing the chain. Do you think that's decoration? What do you think she's going to be doing with it? She hit her with a chair on the outside again, and the referee is looking right at it, yet that was a DQ in the Utami match. I don't understand. Either be consistent or don't. But if you're not going to be consistent, don't expect me to give a shit about the match. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it three stars, and I only gave it three because the match up to that point was okay. I gave it I gave it five. I literally have no strong feelings towards this match. So let's give it four. I'm not mad. Let's give it four. It's halfway. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I know that me ranting about Weeder is the same on every single fucking podcast, but it's just I wouldn't hate them so much if like some stuff was different like you know every match wasn't the same but it's just not thankfully thankfully the main event of night three was the Red Star uh, the Red Star block 
with Konami defeating Mayo Iwatani at 13 minutes and 39 seconds with the triangle arm lock. And this was fucking brilliant, Chris. This was class. Konami shooting for submissions is just food for the soul, isn't it? Like, is, it's weird, because when she shoots for submissions, you sort of have the sense that it's like, huh, she properly knows how to, like, shoot for submissions. Like, this might be me completely talking out my ass, but, like, it feels like that. Um, May desperately running for the ropes was great. Like, she's, like, between submission attempts, she's desperately trying to bomb Konami into the ground because she knows if a triangle lance is thrown on her one more time, she's fucked. And, like, I think having the triangle lancer at the start of a match was a uh, thing of beauty. Like, just in terms of the pacing for this match, it made Konami dangerous for the whole match because May knows how much that thing's hurt and she knows if it's in for long enough, she's going to tap. I love this match. I just, <laughs> I've just put <laughs> new silver haired Konami has no time for Mayu's bollocks. Um, this is the Mayu who came out with no belt, no robe, and no mask, but. It would not surprise me if she had just forgotten them or left them in the previous venue because that seems to be the Mayu we're going for at the moment, just derpy Mayu. She she remembered her tail. She did remember her tail this time, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which was the reason she lost to Julia. Um, But yeah, Konami was fucking vicious in this match. It was her turn to do what so many others, including Mayu, have failed to do and break Mayu's neck. Um, Just relentless i've never ever seen a dragon screw neck whip before from inside the um from through the ropes that was incredible and then literally just grabbing her head with the knees and smashing her repeatedly into the canvas yeah that's some daniel bryan shit right there yeah she's there was a point in konami's match here and konami's match against julia the next night where she is literally channeling her inner zack saber jr you know she's these ways she's manipulating the body into getting into these arm breakers, the guillotine and all of this. Like, Mayu was having to, like, manipulate her own body into the most unnatural shapes to get to the ropes. It's amazing. And at no point does Konami smile. At no point does Konami let up. She is absolutely relentless. And when she finally does make Mayu tap out, it looks legitimately painful. She, at the moment, she is a better heel than Tora. And I don't think we're supposed to think Konami is a heel. But she is a better, she wrestles better as a heel than Tora does at the moment. Because you just feel like Konami is out to break your arm. Yeah. And the thing is, Konami matches are so, like, everyone has a match formula of the ones leading. We kind of see it, saw it in the match against Julia as well, where, like, Konami sort of has the same kind of thing. But, like, she does fuck with her cadence, whereas Tora doesn't. I think that's the problem with Tora. And it also always ends the same way, and somehow it started ending in wins. I'm not sure how that went. We'll we'll rant again again about Tora, I'm sure, (laughs) on day four as well. Um, But, yeah, no, this was... Fucking great. Top five matches of the tournament so far by a mile. Yeah. Fucking great stuff. Um, it's a real rub Maiden. for Konami. Like, a real yeah. rub for Konami. I mean, you know, the two nights together, like, massive rub. Massive rub. And yeah. presumably we are going to see now a title defense from Mayu against Konami. I, and if it's I anything like they... this, I am all for that. Yeah. Um, 
how can I keep going? Because again, a problem with her um, three five star was she wasn't showing much personality. She's showing a ton of personality right now. I think part of that was like she was next. Um, she was constantly, literally, over time next to Jungle and Hannah, who are like the two biggest personalities in stardom, other than maybe Mayo and Tam. Whereas now she's sort of away from, uh, like, she's sort of divorced from Jungle right now because they're in different blocks and it's just working for her. She's just infinitely compelling. Well, that sort of plays into this next. Um, she takes the microphone and she sort of immediately, sort of, Jungle just completely takes the shine, the limelight away from Konami by then calling out um, Are We The Tie? And Jungle's like, and Konami's just like, yeah, I mean, if that's if that's what you want to do, sure. Um, so we have the aforementioned match that was supposed to be at Yokohama where Are We The Tie um, versus Tokyo Cyber Squad. If Are We The Tie win, then Tokyo Cyber Squad have got to disband. Uh, seemed a bit harsh of Jungle to do it after Konami's just had the biggest victory of her five stars so far, but there we are. Um I mean, it's a foregone conclusion that we that's how you're winning that, surely. Yeah, I can't think of any other way that's going to go. Like, someone in TCS is turning. And the fact is, I don't quite know who it's going to be. Because you look on one hand, and it seems obvious because um jungle's being a bit of a dick and is in sort of a downward spiral right now and we sort of saw it with saki where she used her attitude to try and get herself out of a downward spiral and a go over a title shot but um also as we just said konami is acting like a heel within her matches well yeah. jungle isn't jungle still acting like a face i mean so i generally don't know what's going to happen so which is Good, I guess. <laughs> you can make the argument for either person. You can make the argument that it's going to be Konami because of the way she's wrestling and the way, you know, you look at when she wins matches, she's storming off from the ring, she's not even having her hand raised. Or she's having it raised, she's pulling it away. But then you can also argue that it's going to be Jungle because it's her desperation to win, to be recognised, to avenge that loss to Mayu and Nagoya. Is that going to take over and is she going to win at any cost? You know, is it going to be death? I mean, she's a zombie. So, I mean... (laughs) She has no no allegiance. She just wants brains. (laughs) Um, It's a very, very interesting... I mean, it would be a very strange way to go about just the same. Tokyo Cyber Squad just staying around. It would be very, very strange for them to do this. That's why I think it's going to happen. I think Konami is better turning because I think she wrestles better as a heel. I think her style suits more as a heel. Um, And I think, for me at least, she is the person I look forward to most at the moment, aside from Azumi. Those two at the moment are my wrestlers of the tournament. Um, Just because, like I said, she fucks so much with her cadence that no two matches are the same. Like, her match here against Mayu is completely different to her match against Julia. For me, anyway. Yeah, when in reality... When in reality, but she's going for the same thing. She's still shooting to try and lock in the triangle answer, but like she's doing it differently because they're different types of fighters. Yeah, so. absolutely. But yeah, um, yeah. What were you giving this match? I gave it a high eight. I gave it an eight as okay, well. Okay, that's all right then. I wasn't sure whether it was almost a nine, but not quite. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought Night 3 was decent, had some good matches, um, no surprises really, um, aside from obviously Konami defeating Mayu. Um, there was no real 
surprises. There, there's only really been that one shock with um, Micah defeating Momo on night one. Um, I'm sure we're going to see. And Micah defeating Julia. Of course. I forgot about that. The way they booked that, weirdly, and all of the stuff leading to it, like Himika taking the piss out of Julia for having lost to Saki, I, I didn't really see that as a shock. I, I sort of saw that as a, not a foregone conclusion, that'd be that'd be blowing my own trumpet. Well, it's a, natu- it's a natural booking step, but like, it's still, like, we watch New Japan to know that natural booking steps aren't always taken. <laughs> that is true, that is true. Um, let's move on then. Let's move on to night four, September the sixth, two thousand and twenty, from Sendai, in front of a hundred and fifty-six people. We open with a tag match: uh, Mayu and Hannon defeating Hina and Wiener at five minutes and thirty-five with the modified Dragon Sleeper. So match two was our first five-star match. Blue star action saw Jungle Kiona defeat Saya Ida at six minutes, 35 seconds with the diving body splash. This was what I was talking about earlier, Chris, where I never believed, even though they did all the bit about, you know, the last time these two met, Jungle won. I I never once thought Saya Ida was winning this. No, um, to be fair, she's... It's like when um, Narita was in Super Juniors last year. Of course, Sai is not going to pick up a win against anyone major. But, yeah, but it, I guess in terms of booking, you couldn't have had Jungle's first win be against Sairida. That's not really a good conclusion to an arc. Uh, but, like, I enjoyed this match more than I it really had any right to enjoy it. Like, a, a lot of it was um, Jungle and her face. Like, when Saya sort of got Jungle over for a back body drop, and you could see Jungle's face like, no, 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 no. Um, I enjoy Saida's machine gun chops, but not quite on the level of a Kabashi, but slightly better than a Kojima. So, Kojima now, especially let's a, say. A Kojima, oh yeah, we've seen Kojima, what, Kojima Tenzan we did, and the machine gun chops there were good. But yeah, and for the experience she had, that's fine. Um, the hope spots made this better than normal. It's like a, it was literally like a young lion match because there was no big spots. Jungle didn't even use her proper finisher. So, well, that's the thing, and that was something that we talked about in the last episode about how people are using those secondary finishes to finish. And you know, we talked about it last time about how it's helping the overall match quality because you're not, you're never quite sure what is going to finish a match. Um, yeah, completely agree. Um, I think it might be the best pre-match promo ever, just Jungle beating her chest like a gorilla, then walking off. Might be the best pre-match promo <laughs> Wait, ever. You, you clearly haven't seen the old Chris Wolf pre-match promos. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hello, I like delicious meat. Are you delicious meat? Okay, fair enough. Uh, just This is a post-match one, I think. It's like, oh, eat bitches all day. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a moment where Jungle takes Saida's fucking head off with a lariat. It was the stiffest fucking lariat I've ever... It, I'm not joking. Saida didn't do a 360. She did a 540. It was ridiculous. She went fucking flying. Some it was st- amazing. Even Jack Evans looks at that and thought, you know what, a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely, I've never wanted to do this more than just go, whee, as she flipped over. Um uh, just uh, remember that old meme where, like, that EDM track started playing when someone went launching. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, a couple of good 
uh, pin reversals from Saya. Saya was good here. There's you know there's nothing against Saya's in ring quality, but Jungle was always winning this. I gave it five stars. I I gave it six. I did I did enjoy it a lot more, especially with the um, lariat that briefly sent Sayurida back in time at such a velocity that she wiped out the dinosaurs <laughs> before returning to the present day. <laughs> it was such a stiff lariat. <laughs> it gave me tinnitus. Been... It was that loud. Honestly, like I've just been. I've missed making lariat jokes because we haven't done a Stan Matt Hansen match in so long. Do you want to do it now? What, a Stan Hansen? Do you, I, don't, do you I want, can't do go it. Go on. I, no, my, my nieces are here. I'll wake them up. And a Just whisper night. it. <laughs> Just whisper it. <laughs> that was the sexiest thing you've ever done. Just Lariato. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Down, boy. Anyway. <laughs> are you talking to me or you? <laughs> a bit of both. Not going to lie. Um... Match three, Red Star Block. Uh, so Himika versus Saya Kamatani go to a 20-minute time limit draw. Um, I'm not going to lie, Chris. When I loaded up this match and saw that the entire thing was 26 minutes, I did think that there had been an error. Um, because of all the matches to go to a time limit draw, I didn't think it would be this one. And I was a I little just bit... I was a mess. I was a little bit like... I, I... Mm, okay... Is is Sire able to go twenty minutes? I mean, we've seen her have very similar singles matches over and over again, but this was hands down both women's best singles matches in stardom. Yeah, this was great. Tall Sire turned into a fucking psychopath. It's night and day. The Sire match looking... on night three, the Sire match on night four. Complete night and day. Oop. But look on her arm as she completely destroyed Himika's arm. Like, it's, I'm starting to think that's why she no-sold the arm in that tag match. It's because she has such little um, respect for arms <laughs> that she even ignores the pain within her own arms because for, I, she just resents the fact that she has to have arms. Because, like, seriously, she looks like an absolute psycho, and it's so rare that the giant is the sympathetic one, but Himika was really sympathetic here. Like, that, what, when she had a shoulder rammed into the post, and she just had, and like, she had to run halfway into the crowd to shake it off. I thought Himika, like, we're going to spend a lot of time praising Saya in this match, oh, and no, rightly Himika so. Just, it's because Himika made her look so good for way she sold that arm was fucking... Like, it's so rare for someone with her level of experience to sell the arm that well. Like, I've seen... We, we've we seen people with way more experience not be, be able to sell the arm that well. Himika sold like a champ. Like, 100%. Oh, and she did it without but it the, being cartoonish. Yeah, that bit, the bit that got me, she tried to go for the Boston Crab, but she couldn't lock it in, so she had to do the single crab. Everything from that um, to the fact that she couldn't hit the torch. Like, it all felt organic as well. It didn't feel like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. I should probably sell the arm. Like, she couldn't do the torture rack. She couldn't do the running powerbomb. She got the halfway... Like, the Ishii spot with El Desperado in the first round of the New Japan Cup this year. Like, where, where his Ishii... Leg exactly, Ishii got Desperado up for the powerbomb and literally didn't just drop and go, ow, his leg just crumpled. That's how well Himika sold it. Like, you legitimately thought, shit, her arm's in... Her arm's in bother here. Yeah, and like it becomes like honestly, she the arm wasn't targeted. You'd be questioning it because there's tape all over it. And one thing I did like because it's, it's 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 another simple thing, but 
it got got ignored um doing the strike exchange um she was because like the strike exchange isn't a thing to weaken a new opponent it's a piece of pride it's like whoever falls they may lose a match where they lost a strike exchange that's going to play in their mind like it's a so it's a basis for strong style even though this isn't strong style um but himika lost because she couldn't connect that last one because her arm just and her shoulder just hurt too much and like whenever she'd hit a light with that arm um she couldn't actually go for the cover because she was hitting good lariats but it would destroy her arm it was like honestly the only the selling reminded me of the moxley versus mgf match from um all out the earlier this month i thought that sire was phenomenal here and yeah but we criticized sire for effectively wrestling you know she has five moves she does those moves well she has a drop kick the weird cartwheel thing and yeah and doesn't sell here there was no cartwheel there was no motor lock she adapted the match completely for the situation and that was something that we've been crying out for her to do and we saw it in all its glory here she literally went from a five to a ten in one night, everything she did, she she amended all of her offense to solely target Himika's arm. Drop kicks hit the arm, punches hit the arm, stamps on the arm. Everything, everything she did targeted that arm, and it was just but she arm- was a completely different character. She was literally picking up the poor ref and throwing him away because she was that intent on destroying Himika's arm. It was wonderful. Yeah, to, the, to the point where the ref had to kick her off of um, Himika. It was ridiculous. Um, but what what was the there is um, it addressed most of the issues we had. It didn't address the main issue I have, which is selling, because she didn't have to sell in this match. I liked how, because she has no arm-based moves, right? So like, she wasn't going to end the match on her arm. She was using the arm to disarm um, Himika. And then she was going for knockouts, which I like. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed that towards the end, she wasn't even doing conventional moves. She was just jumping on Himika and trying to hold her down for the pin. Really yeah, enjoyed that. Because um, you do see it in like legit fighting. Like in UFC, there was a um, Shano Mali match and he fucked his leg halfway through. And because of that, his opponent um, went for the leg to keep it fat. Um, to keep his leg injured, but he was also going for knockouts because that's ultimately his game plan. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I just, I think everything about this match was great. If I had one negative, it maybe went three minutes long. I think this is one yeah, of the thing. few matches where the old time limit of 15 minutes would have benefited these two massively. I, th- I think, I think... I I think look at this twenty minute time limit, and it's obviously a thing brought in because they're looking for international fans. A lot of international fans have been conditioned to think longer matches are better, so they're like, and a fifteen minute time limit can be a put off. Um, so like in reality, we have no one's been wrestling inwardly different, but just sort of wrestling regular stardom matches. And you look at the ones who went over fifteen, like the um, Julia Mayer match or the Himika. Julia match that went over 15 didn't it and 
for me, like if you knocked two minutes off of those matches, it wouldn't have affected them much. Whereas here, the extra five minutes did kind of drag this down. It was a bit long of a deep. It's about like the story of attacking the um after a while. Like once you reach the fifteen minute point of non-stop attacks on the arm, it's wearing a bit long of a deep. Mm. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I... Like I'm trying to think of an arm. Um, I'm trying to think of an arm match from this year that doesn't involve Kenta Miyahara, so you want to be alone. Okay, so the MGF versus Moxie match, that centered a lot around um, Moxley's arm. But also, um, you had MGF sort of fucking with Moxley's normal cadence, like how Moxley would always go outside for a bra, so MGF was sort of trying to bait Moxley out to the bra, and then like MGF would always have the advantage through the arm and then be ignored. Um, or like... Even for another little match, Keno versus Goji Izaki from Noah last month, um, where like the leg was always being sold, but it wasn't always being attacked because that's not Keno's thing. Keno goes for knockouts. So while Sai was doing that, it kind she doesn't have any knockout moves other than the shooting star press. So like after that shooting star press, the match just sort of reaches crescendo. It's still great, like but like. It went from like a nine to an eight because it was a long motif. Agreed. Agreed. Really, really good outing for both women. I think it's good to see a different side of Himika that isn't dominant. I was surprised that Saya was on top for the majority of this match, but it was I, I, a pleasant surprise. I thought Saya. I have a I have a booking reason for this, which I will get to at the end. Intriguing. Um but yeah, over I, <laughs> It surprised me slightly that Saya is the one that took Himika to a draw. Um, obviously, someone was going to have to beat Himika at some point or take her to a draw. Maybe a little surprised that it was Saya, but it was oh. good. It was good rub for Saya. And I'm going to jump the gun with my booking thing to sort of counteract that. In the Go case on. of all the other big names in her block, either have or will beat Saya. So Saya now acts as the tiebreaker to keep Himika out of the final. Intriguing. We'll talk at the we'll talk at the end and see if your choice has changed for who you think is going to make the block final, um, because mm. it has for me. And yeah, we'll see. Um, I gave that eight, similar to you. It was it was very close to a nine. It just it went it went a little bit too long. And I think you know you're expecting Saya to you know she's never wrestled a singles match of that time limit, and I think she did extremely well to wrestle that match. We've never seen Himika go that long in a singles match. So both women to go that long to tell the story they did, fantastic. Just a little bit too long. Um, match four uh, was a singles match. Um, this was originally supposed to be Momo Watanabe versus Suri, but unfortunately Suri's mum passed away. Um, so mm-hmm. Momo received the two points. Um, obviously thoughts are with Suri and hopefully um, her and her family are okay. Um so Momo Watanabe defeated Saki Kashima uh, via disqualification at 6 minutes and 45 seconds. And Chris, I'll be honest, I didn't watch it. Um, I watched it, but like you missed, you've missed absolutely nothing. I can imagine what happened. Can I Can I imagine what happened? Um, you can, but I'd rather just move on to the next can, match. Can I, can I guess <laughs> that Momo was on top and then for some strange reason Tora was there and then there was a chair shot via, and then that ended in DQ? did that happen it wasn't a remarkable match I can't remember a fucking thing let's move on <laughs> it was something yeah. let's move on match five um, Red Stars again 
uh, Tam Nakano defeating Starlight Kid at 6 minutes and 58 seconds with the Tiger Suplex. Chris, what did you think? Um, this sort of had the opposite problem from the one before. Like, this is a bit short. Um, it was a no bullshit bomb fest. Both women just sort of trying to kill each other. It's weird that I'm more scared of Tam than I am of Himika. But, you know, that's just how things are, I imagine. Like, it's weird. Tam reminds me of the people you'd find on, like, Sucky All Street at 1am. <laughs> like, just, like, the wee five foot two girls just want to fight someone. Yeah. Just kind of like that, and it scares the fuck out of me. Um, Star- Starlight was never going to win this, it's, which, again, is sort of a thing we're going to run into with Starlight in this. But like, I think a lot like Yoshihashi, Starlight does her best work against other members of Stars. Yeah. I think it helped that you had that storyline that, you know, Tam wasn't going to go soft on it, and the fact that Starlight almost had something to prove. It was a very different match to the Starlight versus Mayu when Mayu was literally just wrestling, basically being a dickhead heel. Just, you know, like, step up to my level or don't step up. Um, Whereas Tam was just like, we're just going to kick the shit out of each other and see what happens. Um, Like you said, it wasn't a remarkable match and I think it, it was impacted somewhat by only being six minutes and I think this is an issue now for the rest of the card and I think the previous match going 20 minutes sort of fucked with the rest of the timings for the rest of the card because this was the issue for me with the main event. That seems to be a thing with, like, you think back to the, where was it? Nagoya show with Jungle versus May, where that was great. And I enjoyed that a lot, having just watched that in a bubble. But then when I look at it in the context of the rest of that card, it immediately following a half hour draw. Yeah, no, completely agree with you. It's exactly the same. It, it was a very, very strange booking decision that was. And, you know... <laughs> The crowd have, were very invested in that match and then they needed time to sort of recover. And this was unfortunately the match that sort of fell into that. There wasn't a lot to talk about. It was solid in what it was. There was one moment where Tam literally kicked the head off Starlight Kid. That was quite enjoyable. Um, but yeah, six stars. Tam showed a lot more respect for Starlight than Mayu did. Yeah, but also I don't think Mayu knows the word respect anymore. Yeah, true. Um, match six, um, Blue Stars, uh, Natsukatora defeated Micah at seven minutes and three seconds <laughs> with the Ascension in the exact same match from night three. Shall, shall we move on? Because like I don't want to subject our audience to another five-minute rant because we already have one per podcast. We can't start having There's going to be no rant. No rant at all. It was just the same match. The one thing I will point out is that, obviously, this was... I would say a clean victory, but it wasn't really. It wasn't. There was chain usage. Um, at least this was finished with a move. It was finished with the Ascension. But I don't know if you heard this. There was just... It was silent when Tora pinned Micah. It was... Well, well I didn't... Nothing. Well, I didn't hear it because it was silent. Oh. Yeah, because no one cares. That's the thing. That's the thing. There was no booing. You know, and I know that people aren't supposed to make noise. But there was no clapping. There was, there was nothing. There was nothing. And I think that's... There's certainly quite a few people who are apathetic towards a weed tie at the moment. Uh, but yeah, let's move on. Match 7, Red Stars Konami defeated Julia at 11 minutes and 35 seconds with the triangle arm lock. Konami in two consecutive nights beats both the world and wonder of stardom champion. Good God. 
Good God, what a rub for Konami. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, reminds me a lot of G1 28 when Jay White beat both Okada and Tanahashi in the first two nights. Yeah, definitely. Um, I will say I still love this match. I thought this was great. It lacked a little of the intensity of their Corrigan match for me, mm-hmm. but I felt like Julius sold for Konami brilliantly here. Julius sold. Um, that's what was missing here, though, was that intensity, but like that. Like I did, I I never winced in this match. I winced in the other one, and yeah, and I, I think this is another match that suffered coming in the. I think the crowd never quite recovered from the Himakusaya match. Agreed. No, I don't think they did. So, um, so again, this match kind of suffered. Um, a lot. Of, thing is, everything Konami did was fucking great, fucking Chris, fucking amazing. A lot of stuff Julia did sort of kept this from being. An eight for me because I'm just predisposed to not liking Julia. I kind of need to accept that, and I kind of need to try and fix that within myself. But because I've done that, cause, <laughs> how no, deep? Because I've done that. No, because like, I've done that with like New Japan wrestlers in the past. It's like okay, so I'm predisposed to not like this kind of match. Try and look out for like what the signs are, and like for example, I'm predisposed to not overly enjoy Okada matches. Right, but I can still appreciate a good Okada match. I'm trying to find out within Julia. But I think part of the problem is I I, I want to say a vocal minority because I know no not all Stardom fans and all that but like in some Stardom groups just the Julia fans are fucking insufferable and I'm, and I think that's a bad fan base can ruin something and Julia has a vocal minority of annoying people I, I, everyone does but I think it's the fact that I don't like Julia sort of keeps me on, on the outside of that. I don't know. I, I, I keep feeling like I'm being unfair to Julia, but I've rated a fair few of her matches fairly highly, especially um, in the Cinderella. She came out like it with one of the highest match ratings in the Cinderella. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it is. A lot of times, Julia matches just aren't clicking, and I'm not. I still can't pinpoint what it is. I think you are being harsh. Um... I mean, I didn't hate this match. I gave this match a seven. So did I. And I know that you have said in in uh, in previous shows that you know there have been some highly rated Julia matches, but I don't think that you can hold it against Julia. And I know it's not the sole reason you don't like Julia, but I don't think you can no, hold just... it against her that her there are. And again, it is a minority but, but... of Julia fans are annoying you. That that shouldn't impact your enjoyment of no, a Julia it's, match. It's, okay, I I should sort of rephrase that. Um, like for example, when I was. When I when I ask a big Okada fan, okay, was it about Okada um, that works for you? And they explain it. And when I watch his matches again, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Whenever I look, whenever I ask for, um, like, I, sometimes I'm a, I'm a dick about it. Sometimes I'm not. But I'm like, what is it about Julia? And we just say, well, she's good at this. I'm like, well, I don't think she's good at this. Here's why I don't think she's good at this. And then all I get back is you're a hater or something. And it's sort of trying to get through that noise, but after a while, that's all the noise you're getting. <laughs> she is divisive, certainly. And, you know, it's taken quite a few fans a long time to warm up to her, myself included. It took me ages to warm up to her, as, well, as proved I, I by earlier on this podcast, epi- uh, podcast series. I'm, 
I'm warmer to her than I was at her debut. I, I, I do agree. She's gotten a lot, a lot, a lot better. Like normally if she's in the main event of um, against someone good, she's going to have a really good match as shown here, as shown in every other time she's against someone really good. And then her character's getting better. I see her as a sort of Kevin Nash type um, wrestler in that respect, but what? No, I know. I just, I just feel a Kevin Nash vibe coming off her, like a, yeah, so what if I'm here? Fuck you, kind of thing. NWO Kevin Nash, not like current day shoot interview Kevin Nash. I can't quite believe that you've just drawn the comparison between Big Sexy and Julia. <laughs> I'm ever so slightly confused. I, I can't. It's for big. It's the fact that it's big boots and big bombs. That's all I can. Kevin Nash is just what's in my mind when I think of... I think it's also a case of proportion. They're very similarly proportioned. No, propor- they're not! Proportioned. <laughs> no, they're not! Kevin Nash is enormous! Yeah. I don't... I mean, Julia's like, not you, even like, the biggest in Kevin... stable! I know, if you made Kevin Nash, like, five foot six, I think it would be no. proportion like Julia. You're so wrong! Oh! What is this bullshit you're it's spouting? Long... <laughs> it's like the long legs what? and the leather... <laughs> just gives me Kevin Nash vibes. You crazy bastard! You... If she if she had tassels, you would no, agree with me. I wouldn't. She'd be more like Lex Luger if she had tassels. I know, but she's not wearing short black oh. trunks. Kevin Nash wore the long leather pants. Oh right, okay. I'm going to ignore that because that's utter nonsense. Um, <laughs> I must admit, Julia sold the end of this match brilliantly, being rolled into the cross the triangle arm breaker and literally tapping frantically straight away it really sold like how bad, I, it, bad I, the move is i did like that as you know rob have sort of went on a bit of a sheep style rabbit hole recently and i love that in wrestling i like it's sort of why i like the benoit versus angle or at least i did like the benoit versus angle match um because like as soon as one of them got into a um amber or an ankle lock what have you tap out can't be having that because i don't want to injure myself yeah i know it just i think stuff like that a puts over a submission really well and b makes something feel more legitimate because like you look at any sort of combat sport with submissions as soon as an armbar's locked in you're tapping yeah yeah 100 um konami again look like an absolute bruiser here i look forward to the rest of her matches because i know that she has still got himika left um, she's got Starlight left, I believe. Or she, oh no, did she beat Starlight on that one? Reds. Hang on, I'm trying to see what she has last in red. She also has um, she has Tam left, doesn't she? She does have Tam left. Um, she has Tall. No, she's beaten Tall Sire. Oh, she has Def Yamasan um, left. Isn't that nice? God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not all of the matches. Um, anyway, let's move on. Main event of night four was Blue Star's action with Yutami Haishishita defeating Azumi at 12 minutes and two seconds with the German suplex. I've already said I I would have loved this to go three minutes longer. Take those three minutes from the 20 minute, 20 minute time limit draw and put them on this match. And this was a nine star match. It just, it felt very abruptly finished they'd done all this build up but there was there was never quite that stretch to make it that classic chris 
Mm-hmm. I love the style of this match. <laughs> Zumi going for a handshake and then going right into roll-ups. That's that's great. I love that. Um, the kick of the start that made Utami li- literally retreat under the ring. Yeah. <laughs> I am hiding from this. This is bullshit. <laughs> Facing Monday like. Um, but yeah, I think after that, it kind of just turned into what you'd expect. It turned into almost your standard big versus little person match azumi once again doing great jobs going into ambas utami doing a great job of a power game um this match was sort of a means to a booking end in a way when you look at the big picture of red stars but yeah it's just this is this is just really good really fun um oh wait this isn't red stars Blue Blue Stars. Stars. forgive yeah forgive me um yeah this is just great and i loved it i also loved it i do agree with you it didn't have that finishing stretch it felt like it ended just as that finishing stretch had begun if i'm gonna compare it to something it's like aj versus nakamura at mania mm-hmm. it was like right as you're like okay here it comes bomb fest it's no longer bomb fest and you know i know you know these two can have great matches together because of that tag match when at stardom is ba- um is together again what stardom, is, stardom again. is again yeah um and that was great, and like the highlight of it was the chemistry these two had for me. So I was really looking forward to this match, and it did disappoint a tiny bit. So I think I might have given it a harsher rating than you, hearing that you were that you almost gave it a nine. Yeah, but I still really liked it. I gave it a seven. Um, I enjoyed the story of Azumi trying to end it quickly because you know she knew that Utami had lost on the third night of the previous five-star, so she might have a little bit of a sort of hoodoo about it, uh, for lack of a better phrase. So, you know, flash pins straight away, try and end it quickly. Once that ended, you'd got a story of Utami trying to grind down Izumi with just big bombs and, you know, trying to wear her down by... I really enjoyed... You know, Azumi came out of the block straight away, as she did the previous night. But Utami, pinfall... Azumi kicked out straight back into a pinfall, kicked out straight back into a pinfall, almost trying to tire her out because, as you've already mentioned, you've made a good parallel between Azumi and Sonic the Hedgehog. So <laughs> Utami is trying to grind it down, whereas Azumi, you know, wonderful as she is as an exponent of the arm breaker, she was constantly trying to work the arm of Utami. And she spent a good deal of this match on top, which, again, I didn't quite expect. Well, um, if we're going to go into this on the Hedgehog comparison, so do, you, do you play Super Smash Brothers at all? I do not, no. Um, well, Sonic the Hedgehog has the same problem there, where he can rack up the damage very quickly, but he has no finishing yeah, moves. Yeah, going for the arm breaker. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's a great limb yeah. psychologist, that's Fuck Sonic. You, Mario Fuck on you, the Tails. Other, Mario, on the other hand, he just won't sell at all. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, she can't really she, she can't really fin- she doesn't have a big finishing move like she, she does kind of have the um top rope knee but again not not top, top rope stumps but when someone who's like two foot one like um azumi's doing that with someone who's like 11 foot three like itami it just won't connect. It's like if my knee started jumping on me, it's like, just get the fuck off me. Um, and I presume Sushi isn't like a great finisher. It's a great flash pin, but like as a finisher, I do question it. She needs something um, like, more she... impactful on top of that. Yeah. Like, and she, and she has a great Fujiwara. 
uh, which is really good. And like, if she just did that more, but the problem is you can't have people tapping every time you need to give Azumi a win. So Azumi does need a bomb finisher to... Because I think, if you look up and down for Stardom roster, I think most of them have some form of submission that could put you away. Like, Himiko has the torture rack, but she also has the power bombs. Um, Konami can kick you to death or do that. Uh, Mayu can go for either the um, sleeper or the suplex. So, like, everyone sort of has both. Azumi just needs to get that. I think the issue is with her height, and, like, it's not just her height. She also has, like, no muscle mass. She is only 17. Yeah, she is only... Uh, this isn't a criticism, because, like, I've said, like, for her age, she's a genius. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not taking it as a criticism of Azumi. I agree with you. I think she does need something like an impact finishing. Um, because, like you say, the the double stomp, it's not quite but, that move, is it? It's not quite as impactful as it needs to be. The way I see Azumi is like a Toa Hanare, like that second level young lion. Sort of like where Narita and Shogunawa are. <laughs> See, if we're making that comparison, I mean, you're looking at Hina, Rina, Hanan, they're, they're your young lions. Your second level then are Saya and, uh, well, the two Sayas. And um, I would argue that Azumi is a stage above them. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, like, Vitoa Hanare stage, where, like, she's not quite a young lion, but she's not quite an established star. <sighs> she's in between. She's in between. She's like a duaki. Dawuki. <laughs> um, I gave this eight. I know you gave it seven. Uh, I thought the match itself was great, but it was impacted massively by the lack of that closing stretch that would make it an absolute classic. I, I think it, but I, that's what kept it from being an eight. And I think what, because um, like this putting with someone who had a hot end, um, hot start, but couldn't quite finish it thing. I watched the. Moxley versus Darby Allen match from um, Dynamite from um, August, and that told the story better. I, I know it's not fair. You should look at wrestling matches in a vacuum, but like just having those in the, within the same day sort of might have hindered this match mm. a bit for me. So, looking at the standings so far, uh, Blue Stars seeing as that was the match we've just been talking about. Top of the pile is Utami Hayashishita with six points. We then go Shuri on four, Micah on four, Momo on four, uh, Jungle Kiona on four, Natsukatora on four, Azumi on two, and Saya Ida on zero. Uh, moving to Red Stars, Himika remains on top by one point with seven uh, followed by Tamnakano on six and Konami on six. Julia coming up in fourth on four points. Followed by Starlight Kid and Mayu tied on two points, but Mayu has had one less match. Uh, Saya Kamatani is then uh, got one point and Death Yamasan is bottom of the pile with zero points, but she has had one less match than everybody else. So. Chris, before we get into the questions, um, do you care to shift your predictions any? Has what you've seen so far affected who you think is going to be in that final? Um, I think just in the way they're booking Konami, that Konami could definitely get into the final. Yeah. Konami's being booked as a killer. Um, I think a lot of the booking in Red Stars this, over the last two days was to chip away at Himika's lead without hurting Himika. Which I think they've done very well. Because you look, 
Yeah, because you look going in uh, at the day three, no one was touching Kimika, but now like um, Konami and Tam are at the precipice, and then you have Tora, Micah, um, of like knocking on the door, and May who's yet to have her catch up match. So it's all going wild there. Um, it's yet to be seen. I still think Jungle could make it to the final. Um, I think we're doing a redemption arc. See Naito and White from G1 last year. Um, it's it's still up. It's we're not even halfway through yet, so um, anything could happen. Still, like everyone is technically still in the work running unless we're on zero. If my math, if my if my head math is going well, so. Anything could happen. I'm not shifting my predictions, partly because I don't remember my <laughs> predictions. <laughs> See the archives, you'll find our predictions. I think with all with all the focus they're putting on the Tokyo Cyber Squad breakup, which again hasn't been confirmed yet, and it, we might be wildly out of whack. But if they break up, a Jungle Kiona versus Konami final would be very, very impressive. Yeah, because not only would it be a banging match in ring quality, I mean you've got Konami who we've both said is one of the most entertaining things about the 5 star currently and Jungle who can put on match of the year against a broom but you've got that story as well about the dissolution of Tokyo Cyber Squad and you can also throw in the fact that Konami thinks it's Jungle's fault because Jungle is the one who made the match against Oida Tai and forced that match through. You know, we might have that heel turn, so say it's Konami, you can have Jungle blaming Konami for the heel turn or vice versa. There is enough story there. Um, We are only, you know, less than halfway through. Jungle is not, you know, miles away. It's going to be very, very interesting. Very, very interesting moving forward. I'm very excited. So, yeah. let's move on to some questions. So, on our Discord, we've had some Chris. So, nothing to see here anymore. Asks, who's getting elevated with their performances? Um, for me, Konami. Um, before, and I think we've actually said the phrase, she's not quite the main event you know, she's white belt level. And I know they're sort of on the same par, but I never felt like she was a legitimate contender for the red belt. These two nights have wildly, made me wildly reconsider that. Um, If she is going to continue breaking arms and taking names, fuck yeah, I'd be up for that. Um, Other than that, I think uh, Starlight's been massively impressive. Azumi has been hugely impressive. Um... Other than that, Chris, have you got any other names? Um, just looking for Starlight has definitely been getting better throughout this tournament. Like I'm much more convinced of Starlight's abilities. Um, same with Azumi, as stated. Um, Julia's not been having a bad five star, but also like she's not been booked super strong. No, she has. Which it's is quite surprising. Than... Yeah, well. You say that, you can have the champions be booked too strong because we do need challenges coming out of the five-star. I think I'd have been... So, yeah, I think if she wasn't a champion going into the five-star, I think we'd have seen her booked a lot stronger. Yeah, because literally like the last three months, even going into um, the um, this year, Arisa spent the whole time just avenging five-star losses. 
So like it's five, much like the G one in a way. Um, five stars a place where champions come to mm. fall. Um, of, we, of course we can't forget Nat Katora. I mean, banger Don't after be banger a fucking after banger. Dickhead. She's a great chain wrestler. Oh, you made um, the joke. Oh, you twat. <laughs> I hate you so much. I mean, we we shouldn't forget about Himika. I mean, Himika came into the promotion in July, June, I think, and yeah, she came in at the when like right yeah, at the start of us again. And she's been booked incredibly strong. She's proved that she can have different style of matches. She can have the dominant squash match. She can have a competitive match where she is dominant. And she's proved that she can have matches where she is a sympathetic baby face. Um, she's really impressed me, Himika, I must admit. And to be honest, I don't really see her being an underling for too long. I find her more as a stable leader. And I don't know whether that's just because she's powerful but I, just, I see her that way. I don't know why, but yeah, she's certainly one of the big, the big stars for me coming out of this so we, far. I think what we sort of need to remind ourselves that um, performance in round robin tournaments don't always translate to direct opportunities. I mean, look at Ishii. True. True. Um, this all links in with our next question. So Niagara Driver. Hello, Niagara Driver, friend of the show. Um, this is a very big picture, but who do you realistically see as the next red and white belt champions? And actually, someone's commented on So Crazy Pete 315 has actually said white belt Konami, red belt Julia. So, Chris, first of all, do you agree with Crazy Pete 315? And secondly, if you don't, explain who you think the next two top champions are going to be in stardom. Um, I think it's a stardom. You never actually... It's, it's not like New Japan where they're... Or even Old Japan. Um, oh, even Noah. Um, it's not like for men's promotions in Japan where um, the top ranks are so closed off to like the lucky few and then occasionally a Michael Elgin or an Evo will win one of the big belts. In stardom, it's truly like... Again, we had B Priestley come out of nowhere to have a six-month reign last year. Yeah. And like, if you look at the history of the Red Belt, that's not... Uncommon. I mean, Tony Storm has held the belt. Like, Tony Storm, well, Tony Storm's great. She so. is great, um, but B Priestley's very good in the <laughs> ring. It's just, it's quite surprising when you have someone like that hold the belt. Yeah, no, so like, so like, it's not closed off. Like, I honestly, Himika winning it wouldn't be a surprise. I, it's not what I would book, but like, it's not a, it wouldn't be a massive surprise. Stardom some but like you look at say a new japan or a noah or even an or an old japan you you can see a pattern but there's like patterns of how they book um of course this year's thrown everything out of whack but like on a normal year um you can see how how they book you can predict title changes like to take new japan for an example the red belt will never change place at king of pro wrestling unless one of the top four isn't holding it like the only time it's ever changed is when AJ had to drop it to Tanashi to make a more realistic main event for Wrestle Kingdom. Same with the IC belt, but never changed its hands at Power Struggle. And if it ever does, it's because it's on the wrong, on clearly the wrong person. And again, we're stardom. Random. Completely at fucking random, seemingly. So it's hard to predict. Tam, I think, holding the white belt makes sense. I still think her chasing Julia for the white belt makes the most sense to me. Um, I guess it depends how the time Julia match goes, but yeah, we 
that that makes the most sense in my mind um and until something better comes along and i think for red belt i'm julie does seem like a shout but also like i think she needs a decent white belt reign so i think maybe we'll lose it before then maybe momo like if i was booking it i'd have momo win it so jungle can overcome momo but like that's my own booking. you mean that's my booking I don't know. It's, well, I mean, yeah, it's stolen from yours, but like, like I'm sorry. Like, sometimes you have a it's better like word for word stolen sometimes from mine. You, I mean, sometimes you have better ideas. It's mostly mine, I mean, but you know, it's not. It's it's all I, mine, in fact. <laughs> Literally, my entire story <laughs> is, arc is what you've nicked there and tried to pass as your own. Yes, is, I am calling you out for it, you is, bastard. <laughs> this is all me. No, um, <laughs> yeah, this, but again, like. You you can it's I think it's one of those things that's impossible to predict because when Kagetsu was having her long her long ass reign last year, do you think and like I came in just as B Priestley won it? I don't think anyone watching Stardom at the time would have guessed B Priestley being the one to dethrone Kagetsu. No, no, certainly, and I th- I think stuff like that does make it considerably more interesting. I mean, it does impact New Japan somewhat when Ishii has an IWGP heavyweight championship reign because you know he's not going to win it. Unfortunately, that seems to be that way for Sonada as well. Though I suppose Evil winning it has sort of opened that up as well. Though it does seem... I still see it as panic booking. Well, that's that's by the by. I think... No, I, it is definitely panic, but I won't get into it here, but like their upper echelon, especially now that Jay White is back, is so defined... They've always had their four pillars. The four pillars have changed, yeah, no. but if you're not a, if you're not one of those four pillars, then you don't really get the opportunity, especially at the top top belt. The IC belt's a different thing. I, I, I know the IC, but if you look at the IC belt, the only outlier at all is Elgin, and that's because Tanahashi was injured. Mm, evil. I'm gonna keep bringing that up now. <laughs> yeah, but like, that <laughs> doesn't. It's like when you bring up one statistical anomaly and like there's so many factors that go into it. It's like like when NXT beat AEW and AEW were having a clip show. Okay, but my question to you is, is Evil one of the top four? No. Has Evil held no. both belts? I rest my case. Yeah. Yes, but um, like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being a dick now, I apologise. I am I'm with you on the white belt. I think it makes the most sense for the next white belt holder to be Tam. Um, whether she takes it at Yokohama or whether we wait, we give Julia a lengthy reign um, and then have Tam take it, um, I don't know. Or have Tam take it off someone else. It seems only right that she takes it off Julia, but um, it would make sense for that. The red belt is a very interesting question because, you know, it does depend on who you have winning. The five-star Momo would be perfect, um, but as you've already said, that's stealing it off me. Um, I am going to choose someone else. I don't think Julia will be red belt champion yet. I think she will be red red belt champion, and I think she should be. But I don't think it's yet. I would have Konami. I think Konami having a reign, especially after whatever happens with Tokyo Cyber Squad, I think that could be interesting in the similar vein to B. Priestley. You know, she's proved in ring that she can be great. You know, 
have different types of matches have the bomb where she kicks the shit out of you or tries to break your arm. So I think that could be certainly be very interesting. Again, that depends on what happens on September the 28th. Um, but then again, you've got, you know, you can have Jungle then take it off Konami as well. So you've got two different stories there. And actually, Niagara Driver asked another question underneath that. She said, um, sorry, they've said building on that, how do you see Konami going forward after the five-star Grand Prix? Well, I've I've said I think she will eventually win the red belt, and I think sooner rather than later, um, especially if Tokyo Cyber Squad break up, because I see her, especially now, as an upper, an upper main, you know, upper mid carder into that main event scene. I think when I started watching Stardom, she was very good in ring. She'd have good matches, but I didn't really care about her as a wrestler. I liked the matches, but that was it. Whereas Jungle, I was invested in Jungle. Now, I actively want to go and see Konami matches. I actively want to go and see what damage she's going to inflict on other people. So, I see her winning the red belt. Whether she wins the five-star and wins it that way, I don't know. But I do see her holding the belt in the near future. Chris, what about you? Where do you see her? Um, I think this is something we can't answer until after that tag match. So in two weeks' time. Yeah, like this is something we could probably answer on like the next one or the one after that. But like until after that tag match, we can't know the direction of Konami because we don't know if TCS will still be a thing. We don't know if it isn't a thing. Who defected? Who isn't? Who's the heel? Etc. Um. I do agree that it's, she's probably going to go from strength to strength. She's been probably the best, fit, my favorite thing about Stardom since Stardom came back. Um, her like transition into this Shibata-esque badass, like she's nothing, like she's not like Shibata, but in terms of like an aura, a presence, that's what that's the first thing that pops to mind. Yeah, we we can't know. I do agree that she's definitely going to be a champ within at least for the next 18 months if not the next year I just don't we just can't make anything definitive I, at least I can't say anything definitive until we see that tag match that's probably a bit of a shit answer but like I can't oh it is you're like, a massive spoil sport you're a massive spoil sport <laughs> the whole point is to fancy book and what you've done is you've shat on it you've shat on it Chris fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> right, fine. She's gonna, she's gonna kick, she's gonna kick Julia's head off like it's fucking Mortal Kombat. Anyway, thank you so much for the questions, guys. We do appreciate it. Um, I think we need to wrap it up there. We've been going just over an hour and forty minutes, so let's wrap it up there. Hopefully, by next weekend, we will have another episode for you in regard to the episodes that took place, sorry, the shows that took place in Fukuoka on the 12th of September and the show that happened on the 13th. We will let you know via Twitter. Um, In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Go subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. It really does help the podcast out. Uh, You can check all the podcast archives out on the website, www.podmania.com. .co.uk. You can also check out what two knobheads arbitrarily rate things if you want to check out those match rating archives for stardom. They are also on the website. Um, you can find us on Twitter at, at the StardomCast. Uh, join the Facebook group at, at Podmania Podcasts. Uh, subscribe on YouTube at The Real Podmania. Um, you can talk to me 
on Twitter at, at @realrobgoodwin. Chris, where can they find you? Um, K underscore O underscore N underscore A underscore M underscore I underscore. I guess. Well, of course, Konami's already taken. It's a video game company. Oh. (laughs) Anyway, guys, we will see you again soon. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.